Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the current estimate for the drought-reduced canola crop is 12 million tons, but those numbers could change. Market analyst Mike Jubinville is projecting Canadian canola exports will be less than half the usual 10 million tons. He will explain how this affects the canola crushing industry, which is very important in this country. The Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association has developed a 12-point plan to help producers following the devastation of the 2021 drought. The SSGA said it appreciates the federal-provincial agro-recovery program, which could amount to nearly $300 million for Saskatchewan. But it adds additional measures are needed to safeguard producers into the next growing season. After the break, Mike Jubinville. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. With me is market analyst Mike Jubinville with Markets Farm. Mike, uh, let's start with uh, the devastation in B.C. and the mudslides and flooding. And uh, tell us about the impact that that had on canola exports. I don't think Canada is going to be losing any real business through this process. Uh, Obviously, the longer things get delayed, the more complicated it becomes. But... I think we'll probably see a situation where we may see some deferrals of sales uh, into later on, maybe some switching more product going up to Prince Rupert for now. But ultimately, I think all the sales that were probably intended to be made on all of our grains and oil seeds, pulses and such are, are going to get accomplished, but there may be a few delays in the process. So I, I think once we get up and running, we'll be able to catch up pretty quickly, especially since we're on a Uh, on a shortfall in terms of uh, overall production from Canada this year. But of this four, four and a half million tons of total exports we see for the coming year, I think two million of it has already shipped off the coast. So that's already gone. So maybe there's another uh, million tons or so that's sold already and probably in or near position. So to me, that leaves one, one and a half million tons that's probably left to hit the export target for the year. And in my mind, if there are delays, whether it's days, weeks, or otherwise, I don't think it should be too much of a problem to make up those sales in the second half of the current marketing year, uh, You know, even if these rail logistics are, are delayed for the time period right now. Now, we've been talking about the much-reduced canola crop and its impact on domestic crush numbers. Uh, it is a significant uh, number because crush is so important in Canada. I think the crusher is highly motivated, even though crush margins have deteriorated with the high price of canola seed. You know, you're looking at the downstream users, the food processors that a lot of these crushers have relationships with uh, are multi-year contracts and such. So regardless of what crush margins may necessarily be, they have to fulfill those contracts. So in some cases, if going into negative crush margins for a period of time has to happen, it has to happen. And that has happened in the past. But nonetheless, the domestic crushers are still going to be the the significant buyer of Canadian canola this year. I think the crushers are going to have to navigate this pricing environment that basically forces them to be price competitive enough throughout the year. Because what they want to do is try to certainly discourage any renewed export momentum for canola seed, that seed velocity for export. They want to be able to minimize that as much as possible in order to uh, maintain supplies in the market. 
the Australian crop is coming off, and that's the only new source of canola right now. Uh, how is that crop looking? I would anticipate with Australian supply coming to the marketplace. I don't look at it as a as a bearish indicator, but it is going to create periods of time where there may be a couple of demand holes in the market. But again, with Canada not relying so significantly on the, on the export market for this year with our short supply, it's uh, not going to be as significant a variable, I think, in fact, impacting our price. That's Markets Farm Analyst Mike Jubinville and his overview of the 2021-22 canola market. After the break, Saskatchewan Stock Growers President Kelsey Elford will share the recommendations that organization has made to help livestock producers deal with the devastating drought of 2021. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Kelsey Elford is the president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. Uh, Kelsey, we're going to talk about some uh, recommendations your organization has made to help livestock producers through a difficult time right now. So what would you say is the biggest concern for livestock producers right now? When you look into the future, and and not just my area, but a lot of the southwest and even farther north, Kindersley and north, there's no water out there. The reserves are gone, and what's there in a lot of cases is is not safe for livestock to drink. And so the situation that we see going forward, that if we don't happen to have a harsh winter, which will create other issues, if we don't have that snow accumulation to fill up those potholes and fill up the dugouts with fresh water, we're just going to see the beginning of the issues that we saw accumulate this year. So long-term solutions for this province to grow the livestock industry is why we presented um, what we have. If you put in deep wells, off-site watering with uh, piping, you create a couple of things. You create good water for your animals in areas that maybe you didn't have before, best practices for rotational grazing, you can maybe run a few more cattle than you could before, which would grow the livestock sector in this province. And it is a long-term dry solution because if you look over the course of the last century, this isn't the first time it's been dry and it certainly isn't going to be the last. And, and what we would like to see is long-term solutions so that when it comes around again, we have drought-proofing infrastructure in place. So let's go through some of these recommendations. Uh, One deals with decreasing the eligibility requirement for revenue to $10,000. So I I guess that would allow smaller and younger producers to take advantage of the program? One of the things that came out through our conversations with the ministry this summer is our friends with sheep and goats or, or young producers that don't necessarily have the numbers or the land base but are wanting to get into the business. They just don't qualify, but yet, like you and I, their livestock still like to drink once a day. So that's one of the main asks is that they can access the dollars that every other livestock producer can take advantage of in this province. So paying the government share under the infrastructure program uh, would go directly to the contractor, as well as covering some power costs, and also extending the deadline beyond March 31st would be considered a big help? We've talked with the ministry and they understand that there's only a certain number of contractors that do the deep wells and there's been a lot of work done since the program was announced. And let's be honest, from November till the end of April, there isn't a lot of 
shallow pipe being plowed in and there's not a lot of wells being drilled simply because of our weather conditions and the ministry has indicated that they understand that what i would encourage producers to do if they're looking at a project still get your quotes still get your application in so that it's on the books saying that we're moving forward with this project we're just waiting on people to be available to do the work now, there are also some proposals to improve financial management and cash flow. Uh, topping the list is tax-free agri-invest withdrawals. So maybe you can explain some of those. That money is there, you know, and, and that program, again, is, is a great program for any producer in, in Canada to utilize. It's a 50%, 50%, but uh, it's an easy, easy help to livestock producers and farmers in the conditions that we're in for the federal and provincial government to say, you know what, take that money and and use it to make sure that your operation can go forward. There's a lot of producers, their calf crop, they'll keep them over the winter and market them sometimes February, March. Sometimes they'll market them even as as long yearlings. Well, if, if they've marketed them as long yearlings and then they've got another calf crop sitting there well essentially they're taking two calf crops in the same year and the tax implications on that are going to be absolutely devastating um if they have to take both both essentially both incomes for for this year and next year and roll them into one that'll cripple a lot of producers it appears to me that a lot of these measures uh, don't amount to a large amount of money right now, but I, I guess more of a long-term investment and uh, program adjustments. Enhance the programs that are already available. There's a lot of tools that have came out in the last 10 years with rainfall insurance, calf price insurance, farm and ranch water infrastructure as it's evolved. Work on the programs and solutions that are already in place and uh, make them better even though they have worked very well in the past, just enhance them. And it's not just, you know, the producer still has to invest some of his own dollars, but it really makes things available for the livestock sector to to thrive in this province. Kelsey Elford is the president of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of December 13th, 2021. The vice chair of the BC Dairy Association said recent flooding of farms in the Fraser Valley may be a turning point for farmers who are rethinking their futures. Farmers had low stores of feed already because of the previous scorching summer, and what they did have was damaged in flooding. The storms in mid-November swamped dozens of dairy, poultry, pig and berry farms in the Sumas Prairie area of Abbotsford, B.C., leaving some under as much as two and a half metres of water. Gary Bars, who owns a dairy farm in the region, said many are in debt in the industry and he can see some farmers deciding to change careers. An initiative that will bring more feed to prairie livestock producers is getting a cash injection. The federal government is providing an additional $3 million to Towards Hay West 2021. The Canadian Federation of Agriculture is connecting eastern farmers with western and northern Ontario farmers in need of feed. The money will be used to offset the freight costs to transport hay between those farmers. About 5.6 million pounds of hay have been shipped and fed. Nearly 17,000 head have benefited.
The Canadian Grain Commission is proposing an update to the grain grading dispute resolution for farmers. Right now, if a producer disagrees with a primary elevator's assessment of their grain, they have the right under the Canada Grain Act to request that a sample be sent to the Grain Commission for a decision on grain and dockage. The proposed amendment would clarify that a producer is able to dispute the grade and dockage assessment even if they're not present at the time of delivery. The Commission says the proposed changes are in response to feedback from producers, producer organizations and elevator operators. Potato farmers in Prince Edward Island are looking for places to send their harvests as the province nears the fourth week since Canada banned exports of the island's potatoes to the United States. Randy Visser, the owner of G. Visser & Sons, said potatoes had been sent to food banks to use up some of that excess crop. Visser says he has about 18 million kilograms of potatoes and would usually be shipping more than 540,000 kilograms a week across the border. Canada banned all exports of fresh potatoes from the island to the U.S. after fungal potato wart was found in two fields in the province. Depending on the length of the ban, some potatoes in storage may need to be destroyed. Canadian Pacific Railway said it finalized its acquisition of Kansas City Southern. Shares of the U.S. Railway have been placed in a voting trust while the Surface Transportation Board reviews the deal. The trust would allow KSU shareholders to be paid while making sure the railway operates independently until the regulator finishes a final decision on the deal. CP said the combined companies will create the only single-line railroad linking the United States, Mexico and Canada. The USDA released its December World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report. Dan Bassey is president of Ag Resource Company in Chicago. He said there weren't a lot of changes with the USDA putting U.S. corn ending stocks at 1.493 billion bushels and soybeans at 340 million bushels. Imports from Canada were lower to the tight ending stocks. And Bassey said the only change came in wheat, where they raised the Australian crop to 34 million metric tons, which is near a record. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarland and is a division of the Jim Patterson Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.